When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and joined today by two very special guests. They are prospects in the Tampa Bay Rays organization and the hosts of the Diamonds in the Rough podcast. It's Cole Wilcox and Nick Schnell. What's going on, guys? What's up? How are we doing? You know, doing all right. I know. Big game tonight for Cole Wilcox. This will come out tomorrow, but but being a former Georgia Bulldog, is Bulldogs playing Alabama in the national championship tonight, so... Cole, even though this is going to be out after the game is played, I got to hear what your official prediction is for it. Yeah, no, I'm so, I'm, I'm mentally locked in right now. Um, it's hard it's hard to think of anything else. I was, I was going through my rehab this morning, Nick Saban on my mind, and you know, hopefully we can get over the hump. I don't. I honestly have no idea what to expect. Uh, my heart says thirty-one twenty dogs, but I could also see you know it going south pretty quick. So. Hopefully, hopefully play it we can. I feel like if we play it we can, we're better than them, and we'll see. See what happens. It feels like it's Georgia's year, but I felt that way a couple of years ago when they played them in the national title game, and then a guy by yeah. the name of Tua Tungavailoa came in and, and kind of put a stop to that. That team was ridiculously good, though. Like, you go back and look at that roster, and I, this is the first year where I feel like it's, it's even playing field and Georgia might have the advantage roster-wise. But, no, that year was, was ridiculous offense from Alabama. I mean – you had four wide receivers that went in the first round. Actually, five with Ridley. Yeah. yeah. Nick, you got to read on tonight's game? Uh, Well, just because I got Cole as my buddy, I think. Uh, I've, I've turned into a huge Georgia Bulldog fan this year. So, Hey, are the fans barking at Indy, Snow? I can hear them right now, actually. They're barking, you baby. Say that. Yeah. yeah, I can hear them. But I think it's going to be like a, like a 34-28 finish, Georgia. All right. I can see it. I, it's weird. Like, these two teams you wouldn't expect up until the last recent like recent years, a high-scoring game. And I think that's kind of what everybody expects today. Like, usually you'd see totals set in the low 50s. And I think – I don't know what the total's at tonight, but I think expecting points on both sides. Yeah, I'm sure Cole knows the total. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't looked either. Um, I don't think I know. I think it's like, like 52 and a half. Really? I'm expecting low, though. Okay. Are you? All yeah, right. I'm expecting low. I mean, thirty-one twenty hits the under. Yeah, that's true. So, guys, I want to talk about the podcast a little bit later on the show. I love what you guys have been doing, starting that show up. But, I, but I really kind of want to take some time to talk to you guys about, you know, minor league baseball and your your careers to this point. Now, Nick, you were drafted in twenty eighteen by by the Rays and went straight out of high school into pro ball. What what was that transition like? I've always been curious, uh, going from being an eighteen year old kid, a senior in high school, to playing professional baseball. Uh, yeah, it was a big jump. I think Cole and I have talked about it a couple times. Um, at the time, you feel like, okay, um, like everybody talks about how big of a jump it is. And you're like, yeah, okay, I think I'm ready for it. Uh, but then you get there and you realize, oh, okay, like I've been playing Indiana high school baseball and uh, through my career at like hitting 470 every year in high school. And then you go into rookie ball and it's uh, definitely humbling to, to get there and 
um, realize like, okay, you're playing with grown men now. So I think the biggest adjustment for me was um, like the consistency of it being in Indiana you play twice a week, probably maybe three times a week, but then you get down there and it's, you're playing every single day. Um, you got to be locked in every single day. You're playing, you're, you're not seeing a guy throwing 90 every two weeks. You're seeing guys throwing 95 to a hundred every single day. So it's, it's a big adjustment, but um, like looking back on it for me, I can't, I can't imagine doing it any other way. I, I, I've really enjoyed being in the Rays organization. I mean, they do everything the right way. Um, and I, I I was really happy when they picked me, and I've been really happy that I've been with them since then. I've got, I've got another question for you about the Rays organization. Obviously, you guys were part of a, just a stellar Charleston team this year. But, Nick, now you've, you've been with the Rays organization for a few years now. Do you really feel like, from the outside, it looks like there's an emphasis on winning at the minor league level within the Rays organization something that might not exist as much with other organizations where they're focused on, you know, individual player development, but do you feel that there's an organization wide desire to win at every level? Yeah. I feel like that's one of the stigmas of minor league baseball kind of coming into it. People are like, it's not as much about winning. It's more about developing. Um, I mean, with the Rays, I would say it's just kind of expected. Like we, we know how good of an organization we have. We know how good, I mean, we have, our probably top 60 prospects, like our 60th prospect could probably jump in the top 30 of most of other teams, top 30 prospects. You know what I mean? So I think everybody just as a competitor, I think you just go out there and and you're fighting to win. But as an organization, I think it's, it's big for the race to go out and show, okay, Hey, we aren't here just to develop. We're here to win. I mean, we showed it this year between Charleston and Montgomery was the only team that didn't finish first in their division and they ended up making it to the championship and taking that, that series to the last game. And it was a close game. I'm pretty sure. So I think everybody just the competitive nature kind of takes over and it's, it's the atmosphere they build. I'd say like, um, like just the hard work and that just pours into the game. And it's just expected that when we go out there, we're going to, we're going to win. So do you think part of that too, as you mentioned how deep the farm system is with talent, do you think, you know, it's a, it's, guys competing against each other, you know, that you think that that competition breeds success? hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, anytime you get, I mean, when you get to professional baseball, you got a bunch of alphas in the same room. Like everybody believes in themselves. Like you can't get to this point in your career if you don't believe in yourself and, and believe in the abilities you have. So when you get a bunch of guys with that same mentality in the same locker room, uh, it creates a competitive nature and that only is going to help you throughout your career. Um, because nothing's going to come easy. You know what I mean? You're going to have to work for everything that you get. And I think that's really helped me throughout my career. I think that was another kind of eye-opening thing for me is when I got into pro ball high school. I mean, I still worked really hard, but it wasn't, I didn't have anybody really pushing me. It was almost like people hands off. We don't want to mess with them. And now it's like, I can see, like learn from other people, the competitiveness, everybody is uh, pushing each other to get better. So the atmosphere the Rays have developed is really incredible. And, and Cole, you know, you, you pitched at the University of Georgia and what was a stacked full of talent pitching staff. And then we're drafted in 2020, the weirdest draft I've ever seen, only five rounds, middle of a pandemic. There was no minor league season. What, what was that like into the San Diego Padres organization getting drafted and then thinking, okay, what's next? We have no idea when minor league baseball is going to come back. 
Yeah, um, it it was wild. Uh, it was it was a crazy year for everybody, but you know, especially guys who are getting drafted because you know, once the year ended for college, we really didn't know like what to do after that. After that point, it was we we didn't have a goal of like what to throw for, like a date, like what was going to happen. So I was just kind of tossing, throwing. I didn't even throw any bullpens after the season was over. I was my arm was in shape, but I wasn't really off the mound. So. Once the Padres drafted me, um, there's some negotiating to go on, but they made it clear they wanted me to come to the alternate side. So that helped out a lot, you know, being able to go and pitch some and get some innings in. Um, and so I'm not, you know, far behind in my development and stuff. So it was it was a really good experience. Uh, they were, you know, a really good organization. Um, they treated me really well. A lot, a lot of good people over there, and um, I was thankful for the opportunity they gave me. And uh, it was it was a good experience for sure. Well, what went on like day to day at at the alt site? We had like these some reports that would come out, but there were no games being played. Teams kept a lot close to the vest. What was going yeah. on like day to day when you were, when you were there at the alternate site? We we were pretty aggressive, and you know, talking to a lot of guys on our podcast and stuff that had been to other alternate sites is a little different. Um, and so we we would get there and you know have like a practice. Uh, pitchers would throw, position players would take ground balls, base run, like you know normal stuff, and. And we scrimmaged every day. Like I was on a, I was on a pretty tight schedule of of you know every six day throwing five innings. So I mean it felt like a normal year to me. Um, obviously pitching was a little different. You know you're facing a lot of the same guys, and it's in a, a very different environment than you're used to pitching in. But it was really good. Like I mean I learned a lot about myself and and being able to face the same guys over and over again. You have to do something different. You have to learn different things. So it it was a really good learning. experience. Experience. And I know a lot of guys that I've talked to from around the league said the same thing. It was a really good uh, development time for a lot of us. And, and then I got to ask you, after after the 2020 season, shortly after Christmas, your name gets involved in a major trade involving a former Cy Young Award winner. What was that experience like? It was cool, honestly. Um, you know, if you're going to get traded, you want it to be like that. You know, you want to be in a blockbuster. And so – Obviously, you understand both sides. You know, a lot of people don't understand the the business side of baseball where where both teams are trying to benefit off a trade, believe it or not. Like it's not somebody getting rid of somebody. And that's that's hard to explain to a lot of people. And um you know, I had a lot of people ask me like why the Rays get rid of Blake Snell or, or why the Padres get rid of you. Like it's it's like when you go to the store, I mean, you gotta trade a twenty dollar bill to get whatever you want. Like it's it's trade happens everywhere. So it was that was the hardest part is just trying to you know, answer a lot of questions about it, honestly. Um, but the whole experience was was cool. You know, it was, it was one of those things where I saw it on TV first. Um, I saw that Blake Snell had been traded, and I checked Twitter and saw my name involved and uh, then started getting some calls, like, throughout the day. But it was in the offseason, so it was an easy transition. Like, it wasn't like I was being shipped from one place to the other. I was at home and uh, just went straight to Florida once spring training started. So it was a pretty easy adjustment. And, uh, obviously, the Rays did a really good job of bringing me in and, making me feel at home yeah i think you know the rays aren't going to get rid of a guy like snell unless they got a return like they did with you know patino mejia you obviously and, and blake hunt and you know what you guys have done already in the organization has been huge what was that transition like though once you got down to florida for spring training at the start of last year getting kind of ingratiated with with the rays organization yeah you know i've learned i've met a lot of people with the padres uh because i went from the alternate side to instructs so i'd met pretty much everybody and so, you know, you just got, you just got comfortable. You just learn everybody knew the lay of the land and then, you know, I get sent somewhere else. So the biggest adjustment was just coming in and trying to figure things out, you know, how things were ran, 
where things are, who's who. Like, you know, they say, go talk to this guy. And I'm like, well, I don't know idea who that is. So once you figure all that stuff out, it's pretty easy. It's just baseball. I mean, there's not much you can change about pitching. Like you, you're just, it's just what you do. So you just wear a different uniform. So the baseball side, it was, it was a very easy transition. Um, just kind of, kind of figuring things out because every organization does stuff different and, you know, you want to get accustomed into, into whatever organization you're in and what they're doing. So it was, it was pretty quick though. They did a really good job of, of translating it to me and, um, it was pretty pretty easy transition. Now, uh, other than going through workouts and doing alternate site stuff, what is what did twenty twenty look like for a minor league baseball player? You know, no official minor league season. I imagine there's a lot of video games in there, maybe some other stuff to just pass the time. What else were you guys just kind of up to trying to get through get through the year? Well, I uh, wasn't at the alternate site, so actually, when spring training was happening and everything, like NBA, I think NBA was first. They shut down, and then. Uh, everybody was at like the team hotel, like what's going to happen with us? What's going to happen with us? And we thought it was going to be like a week or two. So, um, we all did. (laughs) Yeah. My wife was my girlfriend at the time. And so I was like, Hey, I'm going to, I think that the season's going to get, um, like shut down for a bit. Like, I think I'm just going to fly out. That's cool. And hang out with you for like a week. And then I think we'll be back to playing. And uh, her mom and stepdad have a mountain house in Colorado. So I flew out there and I ended up getting stuck in a mountain house quarantining for like 60 days. There are worse places to be. Yeah. Cole or um, Grant Witherspoon, uh, another player with the Rays. He lives out there like 20 minutes away. So we would meet up at a uh, this little like I don't even, I don't even think it's like a just this little park that had a baseball field on it. We'd throw um, stuff like that. And then finally um, his facility kind of on the low key opened a little bit. And so we would go in there and hit. And then my parents drove out and picked me and um, my wife up and drove us back. And then we were in Indiana and I had enough connections here that when I got back here, I could, I could get to, um, wherever I needed to, to do what I needed to do. So it ended up turning, once I got back home, it pretty much turned into a normal like off season for me. Um, but it was weird being home with uh, like leaves on the tree trees. It was warm. Uh, Cause I'm used to being home in Indiana and it being freezing cold. And um, so it was kind of like, it was kind of nice to be able to take that time to like enjoy being home. But at the same time, it was like, I want to be out there playing and um any ounce of baseball I could get in watching it or whatever I was trying to get in. So it, it really just turned into like a normal off season for me. Um, but at, at first we all thought it was just give me a couple of weeks. And then next thing you know, we're, we don't have a season. So I was talking to my college roommate the other day. Cause, cause I stayed in Athens during the whole time during the shutdown. Um, and it was pretty much like the most carefree lifestyle I've ever lived. It was I would wake up, I'd go lift, I'd sneak on the Georgia soccer field, throw, and we'd get run off like two or three times a week. And then I'd go home, we'd pick up some lunch, me and my roommate, it was just us two there um, in a five-bedroom house. And we'd pick up some lunch, we'd watch a show, we watched like four shows like throughout lunch, then about three o'clock, we'd just play Call of Duty until we went to bed. And I'm, I'm not even like much of a video game guy like play, until I got to college, but that was, that was my schedule almost every single day. And at the time, it kind of sucked because obviously you couldn't really go anywhere. Like we were sneaking on basketball courts, getting some shots up. So obviously, trying to sneak on the soccer field to throw. 
there's a few restaurants opened up to, for pickup and stuff, but looking back, I mean, kind of took it for granted. It was, it, it turned out to be a lot of fun, but you know, obviously it was, it was good to get back into doing things and, and feeling productive again. And are you guys, I'm sure in a normal minor league season, don't get to watch a whole lot of big league games. Are you guys following that, that 2020 big league season, maybe a little bit more closer than, than you normally would? Oh yeah, I, I definitely was. The Rays were also having a really good year. So like it was easy to be able to, to turn it on and check out what they were doing. So um, I, I honestly, for being a baseball player, it's bad. I don't watch much baseball, but in 2020, I probably watched as much baseball as I'd watched like my whole life just because I was more like I want to be outside doing stuff. So I wouldn't be in front of a TV watching, but um, yeah, it was, it was almost, it, it was interesting because you could pick up on things that like you maybe wouldn't have before. Like I, I know, like I kind of grew maturity wise, well being able to watch them. Cause when you're watching, I mean, you try to during a game, but everything's a lot more fast paced. Then you can kind of slow things down when you're sitting on your couch watching and pick up on things that guys are doing in the big leagues that could help you. So um, I guess that would probably be the biggest thing I took out of it. um, Other than trying to get physically ready is trying to mentally figure out what those guys were doing and how they went about their business. Yeah. And I was, I was going all the Padres home games. So that's definitely the most like I've got to watch in person. Uh, Cause obviously I've been to a few Braves games being in Georgia and stuff, but never that consistent. Like I get, I was watching them warm up, you know, I went through spring training with them. Uh, just watching how they go about their business and then seeing it daily. Like you don't, you don't really understand and appreciate it until you see it for like days in a row and seeing like what, what relief pitchers go through to pitch two nights in a row and, and keep like staying in shape throughout the year. And then, you know, how meticulous infielders are with stuff. Like it was really cool to see that and see their routines and, and uh, what they do to stay in shape and stay healthy throughout a full season. Now, Cole, like I've heard from a lot of other minor leaguers, when you're in when you're in the minors, a lot of it is learning what it's like to be a big leaguer. And when yeah. you said you were getting to watch the Padres on a daily basis, there, do you think you learned a lot about how to how to build routines, how to get ready to be a, a big league baseball player? It's huge. I mean, like think about it when you're playing. Like baseball is our job. Like it's it's an awesome job. It's the best job. But at the same time, it is our job. Like it's it's what we do. And so when we go to the field at two o'clock stay there till 11. We're not coming home and watching more baseball. Like that's, you're taking your mind off of it. You're doing something else. You're playing video games. You're hanging out, playing cards. You're doing something else. So you're not doing a whole lot of like studying, I guess, of you watch the highlights, scroll through Twitter. Obviously you see all that stuff. You keep up with it. But yeah. So like you said, being there and being able to see it consistently went in a time where, where I was just trying to learn. Like I was new. I was figuring stuff out. And it helped me out a lot. And I was able to talk to the guys. They were, they were awesome. Those, the guys at the Padres, especially the pitchers who I was with, uh, great dudes. Um, Craig Stam and Chris Paddock, some of those guys, helped me out a lot. And we're, we're very open to explaining stuff to me and stuff. So I, I, I appreciate those guys a lot. And I'm, obviously, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to just watch them and see see what it takes to get there. Before we get into talking more about the podcast, I, I wanted to, to ask you guys, you were a part of a, a team that ended up being a, a championship team with the River Dogs this year. And even though, you know, injuries, you guys weren't there at the end of the season. What was that like being a part of such a and being such a huge part of, of a really successful team? It was really fun. Like, I think at the beginning uh, when Cole and I were there, like we had a, a really, really like good group of guys. Like we were all super close. Well, we kind of knew it when we rolled up. The, when we got assigned, like we saw our list and was like, 
Like I, I've never played low A baseball before, but I feel like this is a pretty talented group just based off my low understanding. And then obviously once we started playing the games, it was pretty obvious. Like, all right, yeah, we, we're a lot better than a lot, a lot of these teams. Yeah. Well, I think we swept first series, right. Against Myrtle beach. I think we lost. Or we went five and one. Yeah. Something like that. And so I think that was kind of when we were like, like okay, like we got a pretty good squad here. And like he said, when we saw who we had rolling up, we were like, we felt like we had a high A team in low A. And I yeah. think our high A team, that I feel like our whole organization felt like that. I feel like our high A team felt like they had a, a double A team or double A team felt like they had a triple A team. And I, I think our triple A team, the way they played felt like they were a big league team. Cause I think they could have gone up there and competed. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking just at the pitching staff and obviously Cole, you were part of that, but Seth Johnson, Taj Bradley, who had just an incredible season, Ian Seymour out of, out of Vatek, you know, this is a, this is a pitching staff full of like top prospects. Docs, Docs, yeah, Docs and he had a great season. And then on the position player side of things too, just an incredibly talented roster. Two relievers that ended up in AAA at the end of the year, yeah. Colby White and, and Trevor Brigden. So it was quite the staff. It really was. And, and we kind of knew it going in, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, we kind of took pride in competing with the guy like after you. Like obviously I was competing with Docs, especially early, uh, two college guys. Um, I knew him from playing against him in the SEC. Like we both were um, pretty strong-willed and, and knew what we wanted to do. So obviously that was good competition. And then, then yeah, you saw the guys who, who were – young but really developing like Taj and and it was it was cool to see him really flip a switch like it was about the time I, was, I got hurt but he went from his first couple outings kind of struggling trying to figure himself out and then it was just like no chance like if he if he's throwing strikes you have no chance that season he had was pretty incredible to watch because I played with him we were same draft so we played GCL together we went to Princeton together and then he was still in Princeton when I went up to Bowling Green but he like this year seeing the difference between then to now was I mean I got to watch him as he started like taking it up a notch and every time he stepped on the mound it was like he was going to dominate and he all his pitches were working um like his bullpens were if he if catcher set up here he was hitting spot like he was in a trance at one point and just feeling himself I think Especially because you forget how young Taj is. Because we we graduated the same year, and I don't, he's a year younger than me. Yeah, he he classed up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's he's extremely young, and and for me, even in college was where I had to go through my struggling and learn. Like everybody goes through it at some point. We talk about that a lot on our podcast, talking to guys. Everybody goes through that period, and for Taj, I think it was he went from trying to be perfect and trying to hit spots, like really focus on hitting spots into just getting outs. Cause his stuff, you learn your that your stuff is good enough to beat guys. Like if you're getting ahead and throwing no confidence, your, your stuff is good enough to beat guys. And I, I made a joke with our Twitter account the other day. Cause I saw, I think it was the minor league page on Twitter. They tweeted like what changed for Taj Bradley this year, blah, blah. I was like, well, I became a different pitcher because I throw a hundred and have a nasty cutter like that. That makes your job a whole lot easier. Like you, you do not have to be dotting up spots when you're throwing a hundred and has the cutter that he has. Like you don't. And he and he learned that. And he learned. You, I get down two zero. So what? I have a hundred in my back pocket. Like and once he figured that out, you could just see it, and his confidence just went through the roof. That's something I think we see with the Rays at the big league level. Is that something from a from a coaching standpoint? They're saying, listen, you've got the stuff. Just let it play. Yeah, I mean they give you like obviously a lot of teams are are database now and it's and it's 
giving pitchers a lot more confidence, I think, because they see what they do well. And, they, and then you can compare it with the other guys and, and, and see, like, okay, this pitch is really, really good. Like, this is going to be effective. So I think once you figure out what you do well and figure out how to use it, it just makes pitching so much easier. Like, you're not, you're not trying to do something and you're not. You know, I mean, for years I was trying to blow people away with my fastball. High school, college, I never could. And it was 100. Like, in college it was 100 and people were squaring it up, and I couldn't figure out why. And I just, you just I wasn't doing what I did well. I wasn't sinking it. I wasn't, you know, moving it around. It was, it wasn't, it's not like a get by your fastball. It's, it's a miss your barrel type thing. So once you figure out what you do well, it makes like obviously pitching's way easier and the Rays do a good job of, of showing you what you do well. And then it's up to you to use it. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And moving on, kind of talking about your, your podcast, Diamonds in the Rough. What, what did, where did the idea for that come from? Because I think it's such a great idea for a podcast. Yeah, I mean, me and Chanel had a lot of downtime last offseason or last, what, end of the year last year, because we were both here rehabbing. Um, our days are over at noon. I mean, I got home today at 1130. Like, you got to find something to do. And we we love sports. So, like, obviously, we were watching a lot of, like, watching a lot of podcasts on YouTube about sports, um, doing a lot of stuff like that. We're like, man, that'd be fun, you know, just try to organize something like this. And then we're always, like, as baseball players, you're always telling stories. Like, you you, you have so many stories coming up through the years, whether it's in game, out off the field, like during the game, like stuff, stuff that just goes on. It's, it, it's a funny environment because there's so much like there's guys in the field playing and then there's 15 more guys just sitting in the dugout watching. So there's so many, many opportunities for stuff to happen like that. And we just thought that, you know, fans don't get to hear that side. So maybe we can bring it to them. And we wanted our approach to be like, we're just sitting on a couple of stools in the locker room. Like we're not going to ask, formal questions. We're not going to be professional. We want the guys to open up when they come on. Uh, I'm not going to ask you questions like, oh, uh, you know, what's, who's the best hitter you ever faced or who like just typical like media questions. Like I want like, we want to talk like we're baseball players and talk like we do in the locker room. And so that's what we're trying to do. Have either of you been on Neil Solon's podcast, the, the, the this week in race baseball that he gets a lot of prospects on? Uh-uh. I did something with him like right after my draft in 2018. I don't know if it was on his actual podcast, but um, I did something with him. So I, I, it was like a little article he wrote, I think. So I've talked to him, but I've seen that Taz was just on his. Yeah. So. Yeah. He does a great show, but a lot of those questions are very buttoned up, very like simple. Like what, you know, what do you like to do in your free time? What is it right. like playing in the So I, I've listened to that and his podcast is great, but yeah, you guys, it's definitely just like, guys just talking baseball or talking whatever, right? You know, it doesn't even have to be yeah. baseball. Other things that you guys are interested in that you're not normally getting to talk about in the media throughout a season. And that's, you know, I think me and Snell thought we'd be a good pair because that's we were always cutting up in the training room, like always getting at each other. We just – we like to have a good time. And so I think my favorite part about doing the podcast so far is people coming on not really knowing what to expect. Uh, like we had D.L. Hall a couple, couple weeks ago really cool dude. And he came on, it was kind of like, you know, he's kind of watching what he said at first and it was kind of slow going into it. And then 
a lot of times it's Chanel who says something that'll just make him laugh or, or open him up. And then all of a sudden it's like a flip, like a, a switch happens and they're just themselves. They're just open. You know, we're talking ball, talking stories. And uh, it, it's really fun once that happens. Yeah, DL, I think he was a Florida State commit before he ended up. He was. Getting, getting he was. Drafted, yeah. So. Missed out on him, but that's great. Yeah, missed out on a really good one. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Other than DL, like another favorite guest that you guys have had, guy just get, love talking to on, on the show? Yeah, they've all been really, really good, honestly. Yeah, I mean, we um, we had Caleb Sampin on, and he he was one that during rehab hung out with us a ton and stuff like that. So being able to go, like, he came on for just like an opening on one of the shows, and then we actually did a, an interview with him and getting to talk to him it's always fun because he he's pretty funny he brings the energy every time and we we had a good time um that was kind of our core group along with like dylan paulson during rehab so um when we were trying to get healthy so so it's always fun to be able to talk to him because we have all those stories from the training room and stuff like that yeah and in the baseball world's so small honestly like you if you've played against somebody you just assume you know i'm like if I saw somebody I'd never talked to, but we play against each other for a series, we just walk up and be like, "Hey, man, what's up?" Like you just you just know them. Like if you play against them, you know them. So a lot of these guys, like we know pretty much all of them that we invite. Like obviously, we had Emerson on; he's one of my best friends. Uh, Ryan Weathers, who, who I love, the Miller brothers. So like all these guys, you know really well, and and those guys are the ones that come on and they know what to expect from the jump. Like they're they're cutting up with us; they're giving it back to us, and we have stories on them. So. It's been good, um, if, and it's been a whole lot of fun. It's it's been more fun than I expected it to be, honestly. You guys pretty much say and mentioned that this is was all kind of boring while you guys are rehabbing these injuries. What's the, like day to day like when you're when you're at the facility going through rehab? Is it nice to have all those other guys there that are going through you know either the same thing or something similar as you? <laughs> I've said it before, and it sounds terrible, but so I, like I've signed a lease on a house in Port Charlotte, and. I have three three bedrooms, so I'll rent out the other two to whoever's around. And people were asking me about it back home when I was back home last couple of months, and they're like, "So who do you get? Like who who lives with you?" And I'm like, "As bad as it sounds, like you just hope that if somebody gets hurt, it's it's a cool guy that gets hurt. So they, <laughs> somebody you like to hang out with. So you know, you see they get hurt, you're like, oh dang. But then you text them like, "Hey, you want to stay with me?" <laughs> so yeah, it's it's the best to have, obviously if you have a good group and you know, we're all baseball players way deep down. We're all the same. So like you get along with everybody and uh, it's good. It's good to meet different guys. Cause a lot of times when you go in the minors, like you move up with your group, you know, you don't get to know everybody. So a lot of times in the rehab room, you meet different guys. Um, and then, yeah, obviously you're all trying to get out. Like that's the goal. Once you get there, you're trying to get out. So it's always good to see people leave too. And when we were, well, I, uh, my, um, uncle actually like before i got drafted has a place in northport like 15 minutes from our uh, facility and so when that's where i was staying and uh cole's house was probably 15 minutes from there and i ended up just and i would go to the field and then come back and literally hang out at his house all day and 90 percent of the nights i just crash on his couch is that we just hang out all day and I was like, I don't want to drive back home. So that's just kind of the, how it went for us. And I mean, you, you grow bond wherever you're at. Like we grew a bond with all those guys in Charleston when we got hurt, it stunk having to leave. And then when guys would get called up, it's like, as you're super happy for them, but you're like, dang, like it's fun having them around. So, I mean, you go through those different 
emotions throughout the season. And it, that's just part of minor league baseball. It's part of the grind. Now this, you know, I know the big league level getting affected by the, the this lockout. And we have no, nobody has any idea what's going to happen there, but how are you guys getting prepared for, for this season? Is it business as usual? I know you guys are doing some rehabbing too, so it's probably a little different, but for minor leagues right now, are they saying, you know, just get ready for, for a normal season? Yeah, it's pretty much, I mean, minor leagues are affected by the lockout really. So like, even if the lockout's still going on from what I've gathered, it's, minor league season starting on time spring training same time be ready so because we're not under the same uh kind of they got they got their union and we 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 just we show up when they tell us to show up so (laughs) for now at least that's the case yeah exactly and and with with the injuries you guys dealing with is it can you guys give any update on what the plans are for for the season when you guys are going to look to be healthy again yeah, I'm I'm full go. Uh, I threw. I left uh, first week in November. I left Florida, and um, I'm good to go. I've been full full on normal off season. Um, so next year, spring training or this coming year, spring training, I'll be good. And hope I mean, plan is breaking with the team and playing a full season. So awesome. And Cole, are you, are you starting to look more towards 2023? Yeah, uh, I'm not particularly sure on like the exact timeline uh but i start throwing pretty soon um hopefully i'm off the mound this summer and then you know maybe throw some minis in the back half like just in the complex i would assume but but yeah for full go 2023 for sure and and, and guys this is the the raise your voice podcast and i'm not going to try to put you too much on the spot but we like to have our guests kind of share their opinion on uh, uh on, on a specific raise related thing um, but basically, uh, I got to ask you guys if you want to raise your voice a little bit, no matter what level you guys are at or where you're at or what you're doing, uh, what, what are your goals for this season, for the 2022 season as professional baseball players? Uh, for me, um, I'd say have a, a full season where I'm healthy. I mean, 2018, uh, played 19 games, broke my wrist, uh, got a late start in 2019, because of a knee surgery and then this past 2020 COVID and then this past year, uh, shoulder surgery. So, uh, a full season where I'm healthy and just can kind of show everybody what I'm capable of throughout a full season is, is my biggest goal for sure. Um, I mean, playing 50 games a year, it's, it's tough to, to be able to show what what you're made of and, and kind of prove what you can do. So, getting a full season under my belt, kind of showing everybody what I can do is definitely my biggest goal. And then I'm having a baby in May. So well, becoming congrats, a father. Yep, yeah. So congrats. That's a, that's a big uh, thing I'm looking forward to. So being able to, to have the baby and have a good season, those are the two, two goals for me. Awesome. What about you, Cole? Just getting healthy. Um, obviously I want to get, want to get back on my feet, get back fully a full go. Um, and so that, that's be the goal. You know, everything I do this year will be will be to prepare for the next full season. Um, and I, you know, I feel like I'm in a good spot. I'm just taking care of my body, taking care of, of everything else, getting stronger. And then once once I get the once I get the fastball back, then it's time to go. You guys think the the podcast is that something you're going to carry through the regular season? You're going to keep it going? Yeah, oh, yeah. For sure. I got a text from Cole today saying, uh, "Let me let me read what it says." <laughs> yeah, I'll have I'll have plenty of downtime. So yeah. So it'll be we'll be ready to roll. And we got a lot of got a lot of stuff planned for spring training, especially. Uh we feel like it's a good time when, when a lot of people are looking for baseball stuff. So so hopefully we can get some stuff rolling then. 
Yeah, I, he runs the Twitter and I run the Instagram. I forgot to post a little reel yesterday that he posted. So I texted him. I said, my bad. Forgot to post. So I'll get it done today. Uh, being a bad partner. And he said, <laughs> he said, all good, brother. And then uh, he said, grind time ain't going to ease up for the next 18 years. <laughs> I was talking about your kid. But. Oh, I thought you were talking about <laughs> the podcast. Either works. Either works. Yeah. Podcast yeah. goes for 18 years. I think that's pretty successful. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. a long podcast. <laughs> and where can people find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and where can they find you guys, most importantly? Um, I am at Cole Wilcox 11 on Twitter. That's where I do most of my, most of my work. Uh, I don't do much on Instagram. And then it's just at DNR pod for Twitter on the, for the podcast. And then our, our podcast is on all platforms, YouTube, uh, Apple, Spotify. So yeah, whichever one's your favorite. Yeah. And then I'm Nick underscore D underscore Schnell on Twitter. And then on Instagram, uh, Diamonds in the Rough is um, – it's Diamonds in the Rough pod. And then my personal is Nick.D.Schnell7. So give us a listen. Like and subscribe. Yeah, we got to plug it. Got a lot of good yeah. guests coming up too. So yeah. it should be a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you guys for, for coming on and taking some time out of your day today. Yeah, appreciate you having yeah, us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again to both Cole Wilcox and Nick Schnell for coming on today's episode of Raise Your Voice. Before we wrap things up, there was one piece of Raise news as they signed Chris Mazza, right handed pitcher to a minor league deal. Mazza was acquired last year in the trade that sent Ronaldo Hernandez to the Boston Red Sox, in which the Rays acquired both Chris Mazza and Jeffrey Springs. Mazza was on the pretty much the taxi squad for the entire season. It felt like him and Lewis Head taking that shuttle between St. Pete and Durham. Mazza ended up pitching 27 in a third innings for the big league club with a 4-6-1 ERA, and I think makes a really solid depth piece to have again back in the minor leagues that you can somewhat trust if you need to call him back up to eat some innings at the big league level so that's going to do it for this week's episode of raise your voice thank you guys for listening as always make sure to head on over to dracebay.com to check out all of the great off-season coverage yes there's tons of great stuff even in the midst of a lockout in terms of the podcast network, there will be a new episode of Who's on Worst releasing this week. Darby and Ashley are reviewing Sam Raimi's For Love of the Game, starring Kevin Costner. Uh, it is the third film in the Kevin Costner baseball trilogy and by far the worst. So they'll be talking about that. I'll be on that show as well. And I think we're going to start cranking out some more of those episodes while this lockout continues, while the offseason continues. Because there's not really much else to talk about on on Raise Your Voice. I hope to get some more content creators similar to Cole and Nick that kind of add to the online Rays community or online baseball community as we continue to move through the offseason. So once again, thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.